I think a lot of times we see church, family, retreats, Catholic schools, Catholic organizations, I think sometimes we see them as like walls that protect us. And certainly we have to have that, right? A family should be a safe place. There's no question. But one of the things about this book in particular is I think it's going to be an awesome kind of impetus for the family to be more of a springboard to go out. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your seasonal Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. This is Dave Van Vickle, and sadly, I'm not joined by my co-host, Michael Gomer Gormley. Uh, Gomer's feeling under the weather this morning, which which uh, stinks for us, but we're going to soldier on here. Um, actually, today's a not that bad of a day for him to be sick because I'm joined by two Awesome co-hosts today. I'm very excited about this. Have known these guys for a while. Uh, Adam Minahan and David Niles, author of a new book uh, put out by Ascension Press, Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. Dave, Adam, how are you guys doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Yeah. I, uh, although I got to tell you that I think Go- Gomer's just totally... He's playing hooky here. Like Just because <laughs> we're from Tulsa, he's from Tulsa. Right, it's a weird I don't know, deal. Like, I was... Yeah, I was I was thinking like, okay, good, we'll have some some Tolson on here, but I think he's just he's ba- he bailed on us, and I was excited. I was like excited what to see what he was going to say about you, like his intro to you. <laughs> I was thinking all these different things he was going to say, and and now he's not even here. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, we're just gonna we're gonna party on here. You know, it, it's funny because he does mention in an ordinate amount how he's from Tulsa all the time. It's like he never stops bringing it up. So Tulsa is awesome. Yeah, That's why it's a great it's a great place. You've been here several times. I know. I love Tulsa. I, I literally, I was just talking to my my wife about how, like, man, if I if we moved, I would totally, I would totally move there in a second. So, you know what? It is weird. Just like I know we're not here to talk about Tulsa today, but uh, like we don't. There's not a, a lot of Catholics here in Tulsa, but the the Catholic community is it's very vibrant. Yeah, for and thriving. Yeah, you know, it's, for, for it's how small awesome. we are, it's a great place to be. Yeah, I I agree. I I as you know, I got to spend a few days with the, all the priests. I did their convocation, and met you know, spent some time with Bishop Condorla and everything. And I was just thoroughly impressed by everything going on there. So it was that's awesome. So guys, I'm pretty jazzed about this book, uh, Living Beyond Sunday. And I'll tell you one thing I'm excited about is that. I know you guys like from the Catholic Man Show and from you know speaking down there and everything like that, but this adds in a whole new development because you're not the only authors. It's also your wives joined in on this one. So um, where did this come from? I mean, how what's the what's the origin of this project that you you jumped out on? Yeah, so uh, what about three years ago, two and a half, three years ago, we had the the guy from from the diocese asked us, the communications director at the time asked us to write a, a few articles on the domestic church. And so he said, hey, hey, Adam, Dave, can you guys with your wives write a few articles? So we did that for, for what, what, 10 articles, I guess, mm-hmm. didn't we? Yeah. And then uh, afterwards, we were like, uh, we, we pitched it a couple times to our to our patron members, and they were all of them were like, "Hey, this is really good." And I thought, "Hey, you know what would be awesome is if we just put this on like a Kindle or something like that to where everybody could get to it." Yeah. And then at that very like as we were about to start doing that, Ascension reached out. I think we talked about it on the show one time, and mm-hmm. one of the guys from Ascension reached out to us and said, "Hey, why don't we make this a book instead?" And so that's kind of how 
it all took form. Yeah, so we took those those articles that we were writing for this publication and we expanded them. And like we you, scratched a bunch of them. We, yeah, one of them we just <laughs> threw completely out because it wasn't <laughs> wasn't what we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, really, though, Dave, just you know, like so many things, the Lord's hand was at work in it because uh, you know now looking back at what it was, the way we did it, I think was really really important. We did it with our wives, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. It would I think it would have been it wouldn't have been as complete if we tried to talk about and write about the domestic church without one of the essential elements of our domestic churches, you know, our wives. Right. Um, and so they did bring an interesting and totally different perspective, you know, which is what they always do um, to the book. And what, what we did as we were writing, Adam and I would write a chapter together, maybe, you know, on fatherhood. Then um, the ladies, they would write a chapter together mm-hmm. on motherhood. And then sometimes my wife and I would write one and Adam and Haley would write one and, um, so there's a lot of, it's just, there's so many different perspectives, chapter to chapter, um, yeah. that I think it really comes out well-rounded. Yeah. Yeah. I totally felt that way too. And, and explain a little bit. I mean, you guys, I wouldn't say you live in a commune, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. You live in a normal neighborhood, but you guys, <laughs> your yeah, families so, are- Yeah. Dave and I have been best friends since we were five years old. Right. Uh, our families grew up together. We went to the same parish together. We've, we've grown up in the same parish together. My, my dad and his dad- our best friends. Uh, we grew up together. We went to high school together. After college, we moved in together. And then we started our families. Dave obviously moved out. And then I actually moved right across the street from him. So now, Dave, as you know, it's such a blessing to be able to provide good friends for your children. Right, right. You know, and so it's just a huge blessing because now we live right across the street from each other. Dave has five children. I have four and one on the way. And so it's just such a, a a blessing to be able to provide good, holy friends for my, for our children to grow up together. Yeah. So I'm just like, you know, as I'm reading this book, I'm thinking like, man, this is such a, you know, a fruitful place for this book to grow out of. Like, uh, you know, you guys were living real serious Catholic community there. And, uh, and I got to witness it a little bit and you know, I got a little bit of a, of a witness of, of what it's like for you guys and everything. So I was really excited. Now, what, what was the, what was the goal? Like, what were you thinking? Like, how can I, what did you want to do for the church with this book? Yeah. So I think that we just wanted to take the things that we have found to be good in our own family life and share those with, with other people. Right. Um, kind of, if I could give a book to myself when I was just getting married or just yeah. starting a family, yeah. um, what, what is it that I would want to know? Because obviously I have learned a lot as a father since I started. Right. Um, and I've made plenty of mistakes along the way. I've, I've got plenty of mistakes left in me, you know, before, <laughs> before we're done, I'm sure. Um, but there have just been certain things that we've done in our families, and I know the same is true for the Minahans, that when you do them, you say, you know what, this is good. You know, it just feels right, and you can tell this is a good thing that we're doing here with our children. Right. Um, Adam and I both grew up in very Catholic homes, but the idea, at least in our community, when we were growing up, of living liturgically, right. you know, like really making the liturgical season present day to day... And so that your kids know about it, that idea, I don't know, it just wasn't, hadn't occurred to us or something, right? Sure. Um, and so it's, I feel so blessed to be raising our kids in a time that we have now where, hey, this is a, it's an idea. And it's not just me, right? When my kids come over to the Minahan's house, right. they see the same things going on over here. 
And so that's that's what we wanted to do. We just wanted to give a resource that's not a tome, right? That this is going to be something that's easy to pick up and read, that you're going to get good examples, implementable things for you to do in your own houses with your own families that will hopefully bear fruit for you. Yeah, I, I and as you might know, it, here in Pittsburgh, we're in the middle of just like a massive parish merger. Actually, we're not. We're at finally at the tail end. We're not in the middle of it anymore. But we went from like 250 parishes down to like 57. So it's just a, kind wow. of a bloodbath. Yeah, terrible. Um, but it's created this culture. Well, maybe it hasn't created it, but I think it's pointed out this culture of like kind of Catholic nomadism. You know, it's like. Um, we don't have like the parish identity as much anymore. And one of the things that I think it's really exposed is the fact that, man, the parish identity was a strong pull of Catholicism. And maybe we didn't have enough of like the home church, you know, of the of the domestic church. Maybe we didn't have enough of that because you have people whose parishes are closing and they're literally losing their faith, you know? And I would think that this mm. this to me as i'm reading the you know re- reading this book i'm thinking like man this is such a good resource because it really gives you a grounding of like no look faith is taught in the home faith is something that is primarily experienced in the home all of these things and and not that anything with your parish is bad or anything like that but to lose your kind of catholic identity when you lose your parish is a tragedy and i can see like the way you're raising your kids and everything and and the, the different suggestions you give in the book, this is going to be, uh, you know, Catholic from the core, right? From, from birth, basically, <laughs> as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, what parish you go to. So, Yeah, you know, the, the name Catholic means universal. I think, you know, right. most people know that. And, you know, that just means that the Catholic faith needs to be universal in your life. It's not just on Sunday, right? right. It has to be when you wake up, when you're eating, right. when you're sleeping, when you're working, mm-hmm. when you're resting, when you're watching television, you should be still doing it like a Catholic. Right. Yeah, from a Catholic lens. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I, I love this quote from uh, Pope Benedict XVI. He gave it on a, a general audience remark he, in 2007. He said, Every home is called to become a domestic church in which family life is completely centered in the lordship of Christ, and the love of, of the husband and wife mirrors the mystery of Christ's love for the church, his bride. I love it. Yeah. And it's like, boom. I mean, that's exactly what you were saying, right? We look at everything from the lens of Catholicism, from the lens of the, the lordship of Christ in our home and in, in, in what we do, how we, how we behave, how we act. And so, obviously, that doesn't mean that uh, every home can mirror exactly how Christ loved the church, right? Um, there's broken families. There, there are um, grandparents raising grandchildren. Uh I know, at least in my my home, not all the time do we do a great job of you know living out the Catholic faith like we should. Right. Uh, but we should strive for holiness. We should strive to raise saints, right? To have the home become a saint making machine, right? So to speak. And so we should think about what we do uh, throughout the day to provide that atmosphere for our children. Yeah, and you know, Dave, you just look at so many. So many families, they have, their children grow up and then they leave the church, right? And, right? Right. And that's, you know, whose fault is that? That's not what I'm here to talk about because, you know, at the end of the day, a child becomes an adult and then they make their own decisions, right? Right, right. Um, but a lot of it is often, you know, is church something that is a chore? Right. Or is it is it life? Right. right? 
And so I think that the, the most important thing you can do is believe it yourself, okay? So if you personally view religion as a chore, your children will too, okay? And you need to like really think about that. Sit, and if you find yourself in that camp, great. Admit that to yourself. Um, that's, that's awesome. Uh, just the, the grace to be able to know yourself is a blessing, okay? So, you know, you're not terrible if that's, if you just honestly say, it, it does seem like a chore to me. Sometimes it seems like a chore to me too, right. okay? Right. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, you need to grow in that love because what I realize is that Christ has made a tremendous impact in my own life, right? That he means everything to me. Right. How is it? How can I give this to my children? Right. I want them to love him uh, the way I love him more than I love him, right? right? I want them to love him the way Christ made them to love him. Right. And how can I, I want that gift for them more than anything else, uh, more than having you know a successful job, more than having a life without suffering, more than anything, I want them to have that gift of loving Christ. And so that's what, especially for this book, I think it's very helpful for people with children um, because some of these practices, they're good for adults too. Um, right, right. But I think that they have just that incarnational outward expression of things to do in the home. Um, you know, things like covering the holy images in your house during Passion Tide. Right, right. Um, at, towards the end of Lent. Um, you know, we do, you do it in the church. You go, so there's, there's something very uh, impactful. I think there's a, a stronger lesson is learned especially as children, but even as adults, as I mentioned, that, oh, you go to Mass, the crucifix is covered in purple cloth, so is ours at home. Yeah, right. And then children are naturally going to ask questions, and and then, truthfully, I, I do it for myself anyway, because over that short period of time where you, you don't get to see these holy images, and then you take them off, yeah, you know, r- right at Easter, and it's like Jesus, I've missed you. You know, <laughs> right, right? Yeah, I I totally get that, and it's a we have to do things specifically deliberate, connected to the liturgy like that because exactly what you mentioned. Like, we don't want them to go home and be like, okay, this is my home life, and then there's the church life, mm-hmm. but we want it to be one. One of the things that I just think about all the time, and this is like Ben when I say all the time, I mean like for the last 20 years I've been thinking about this is how, how to get someone who converts, gives their life to the Lord, becomes serious about discipleship, becomes an intentional disciple, whatever vernacular you want to use. Like how does that trickle down into every area of their life? You know? And one of the things I found is that right away you get people to change their prayer life. That's right away. That's, that's an easy sell. Oftentimes, soon after that, you get people to to change their moral life. There might be some major issues in the moral life that like are like ingrained in them, uh, things like contraception or something like that that might take a while. But moral mm-hmm. life usually that's a natural fit. What I've always found is like family re- raising, like child rearing, those kinds of things are usually the last things that change when it comes to someone who's like a new disciple. And I think. One of the reasons is, in a certain sense, we don't tell them how. Like, we don't teach people, well, what does it mean to raise children as a disciple of Jesus Christ, like as a serious, committed disciple? And I, like, over the years, you know, expressing my frustration to priests that I work with and things like that, I kind of realized what we do is we kind of tell people, like, hey, you're a football player, but we don't tell them any of the rules of football. 
You know what I mean? We don't tell them <laughs> any of the culture of football or anything like that. We just tell, and they're like, okay, I'm a football player. What does that mean? Let me just figure it out. You know, um, this book is like, like here it is. This is like a, a really easy, practical, I wouldn't say easy in the sense that it's easy to implement, but easy to, to get at, right. To grasp a practical plan for living your lives as, as a disciple and raising a family as a disciple. So I, you know, I, I think this is like the perfect timing for a book like this. Um, here's my, here's a question for you that I, you know, I'm curious when you were writing, cause we're, we all have young Catholic families mm-hmm. and I found things in the book that I was like, Oh, I wish I would have known that years ago. I wish I would have known that, you know, that kind of thing. Were you writing for a specific, like kind of age of Catholic family? Like, was it young families, old families? Are there things that anybody can get out of this? Like, you know, what, what would you say to that? Yeah. I mean, I I definitely think that there's uh, things that anybody can get out of the book. Uh, In fact, by writing the book, it's a self-reflection, right? I I mean, Dave, as you write blogs and things like that, you kind of realize uh, that, oh, this is a self-reflection of, and to make sure that I'm actually doing the things that, that, that we're talking about. So I think anybody can get certain things out of it, but we did have a very specific target audience in mind, which is the, the young adults, the ones who are about to start their domestic church, the ones yeah. who are, are beginning their family life, um, or, and or the, you know, the, the, like we said earlier, the grandparents who are trying to raise their, their grandchildren, um, like ways to be able to implement the Catholic life in their domestic church today. So yeah, there's a couple of dioceses that are picking up the book as kind of like a pre-Cana class, a resource for the pre-Cana class or uh, you know, Catholic in, uh, engaged encounters, things mm-hmm. like that, to be able to just use it as, like you said, it's a resource. It's tiny. It's a tiny book. It's, it's, it's hilarious that it took four authors to write like a hundred pages, <laughs> but um, we try to make it as impactful as we could and in and, and a short amount of pages as possible because... Uh, we're all busy. We're all trying. You know, the the domestic church is a busy life. You know, it, it's it can be exhausting at times. And so, um, I'm tr- I never get tired personally. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps going and going. Yeah, Energizer Bunny over here. Yeah, maybe when I get to ten children, maybe then maybe I'll, maybe then I'll get tired. <laughs> right, but only for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so we did. I mean, Dave, we had uh, when we were talking to uh, some guys at, at a men's conference, we would say stuff like, you know. Uh, do you want to raise your your children to be holy? Absolutely, with a resounding yes, right? Um, and then the next follow up question would be, okay, what are you doing to raise your kids to be holy? And then it's like it's like one of those things that they just kind of have a deer in the headlights look. They're not really sure how to answer. It's almost like they maybe haven't even thought about that question before, uh, because the first question is an obvious resounding yes. Everybody, uh, you know, all the men. And, and all the wives want to uh, raise their children to be holy saints. Yeah. Uh, but if we don't stop and reflect on, okay, well, how are we achieving that end? Like, what? How are we doing that? What are the means in which we are achieving that end? Uh, we can get lost. One of the things that we talked uh, we talk about in the book that here, here's one of like the best, uh, some of the best advice that I ever received. I wish I can remember who it was that told me this because I owe a, a huge debt of gratitude to, towards them. But right before uh, my son was born, he said, Adam, I want to let you know that your son is not going to learn to be quiet in mass. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Well, that's kind of rude. I think you should at least give him a chance yeah. before you judge him like that, <laughs> right, sir. That's what most say, right? uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. He said, your children will learn to be quiet in your home and they will apply that in mass. I love that. 
Yeah. And so I was like, oh, okay. So well, what do we have to do? We have to cultivate this time for silence in the home. Yeah. So that way they know what silence is. They know how to behave when we're supposed to be quiet. So that way, that way, when they go to mass, they realize, oh, this is the time that we're supposed to be quiet. This is what we've been preparing for all week. This is what we're supposed to mm-hmm. do. Um, now, obviously, kids are going to be kids, and I, I, let's not get scrupulous about it. But um, we, we should be cultivating these virtues right. so that their spiritual life, uh, their relationship with Jesus can flourish. Yeah. And silence is one of the first virtues that children learn. Right. I love that tip because more and more recently... I have had parents approach me with questions about first reconciliation where they're like, come on, he's a second grader or she's a second grader or something like that. And first of all, like in, in that kind of a passing question, I'm not going to get into like the theology of reconciliation, but what I do say to them often is like, look, come on, atonement theology, let's do it. Let's get, right, sit down. Right. <laughs> but, but what, I, what I'll do, what I do say to them often is like, look, you want your kid to be so comfortable confessing the little things so that when they get yeah. to the big mistakes, right, they know where to go. And I think like that is like kind of the heart of what I was reading. I mean, I'm, I'm drawing it out for you. Sorry, I'm putting this, you know, but uh, no. is like, look, let's let's train them how to go. And, and, you know, the other thing that I was just thinking about, and I'd love to get your perspective on this is, you know, just time. Like if, if you were to look at your calendar and say like, what is most important in your family? You know, and I think like people say this all the time to me where where people will say like, okay, so what do you want us to do? Just like read the Bible all day and like, you know, do all this. And it's like, well, no, that's not what we're saying at all. And I think what, what this book does is it presents a whole life that is not, not like, you know, Laura Ingalls Wilder, like reading the Bible all day long and like not looking for, you know, not moving or anything like that. Can't play on Sunday. Yeah, right, right. That kind of thing. And so, you know, I'd love to hear your perspective just on like schedules for Catholic families, because like what I see is like sometimes, sometimes, you know, and, and obviously social media is a terrible, terrible way to turn for this. But like, I'll see families where I'm like, how do they ever have time to pray if they are always at basketball. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. and I wonder that, like, I wonder like, how are they even able to do this? So I, I'd love to hear what you think about just like scheduling your week because it is busy with five kids, four kids with, with two kids, you know, it's, it's busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So scheduling is a huge, I'm glad you asked that question because it's really a huge thing to think about when it comes to order, because so much of having a well-run domestic church is about having order Right. within different things, having knowing what the hierarchy of values is. Um, and so when it comes to a schedule, especially for men, uh, a man needs to have his own schedule in check first, okay? Right. And what I mean by that is you need to, you need, well, this is this is my schedule, okay? You, you come up with your own schedule, but <laughs> this is the way I think it should be done. That's why I do it, okay? <laughs> but I get up before everybody else so that I can pray, okay? You know, as the spiritual priest of my family. I want to make sure to have offered that sacrifice for all of them before they get up, before they have the chance to do anything wrong, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I want to have like, try to like beg the Lord for as much grace for all of them as I can, okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because that's my job, okay? And so when it comes to scheduling, the reason I mention that is because that means that I have to um, discipline my own schedule so that I go to bed on time. Because getting up early is not... That's not the hard part. The hard part's going to bed early. Right, right. 
so that you can get up early, right? If you get enough sleep, getting up early is not hard, but it's hard to go to bed on time so you get enough sleep. But then for us, we homeschool. And so that gives us a little bit more flexibility, okay. you know, with our, with our children. Right. Um, it also gives us more opportunity to implement some, some of these things. Uh, it gives you more opportunity to make mistakes as well. But you can, honestly, you can wrap up homeschooling by lunch. Right. right. Okay. You know, uh, so that does give us some more time, you know, but if you have, if you have kids going to school, yeah, they're going to be busy. You just got to figure it out, whether you're praying a rosary in the car. Yeah. And you know, you're right. It's not about reading the Bible all day or spending 12 hours in, you know, levitating ecstatic meditations. Right. Um, but you need to make sure that prayer is a priority. Right. And that... I think your children need to know, for the dads, I'm speaking to dads, they need to know and think to themselves, dad is a man of prayer. Right. Let me tell you, there's one thing I'll tell you about my dad, he prays. Yeah. Okay? And, and if they know that, then they'll want to pray too, because they right. want to be like you. Right. Yeah, and I think also, like, so when it comes to the busyness, uh, especially for, for guys who, who have hard jobs, who are working um, hard hours, long hours, mm-hmm. you, you come home and you really have two hours a day. And that includes dinner, basically, right. with your children, right? So you get two hours a day to make an impact on your children. So you need to come up, you need to understand uh, that am I going to be, in those two hours, am I going to be a producer or am I going to be a consumer? Am I producing for my family? Am I helping them uh, you know, thrive in the home life? Or am I consuming? Am I taking things from them? Am I sitting on the couch and having them go get stuff for me? Am I not being a servant well, leader? Adam, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, but, I, but <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, is like, if you only have two hours to make an impact, you need to really think about, am I producing for my family or am I taking from my family? And what does that view look like from a child's perspective if dad comes home and all he's doing is sitting on the couch, turning on the TV right. uh, and not even talking to you, right. you know? Um, right. And so um, those, those few hours are very, very important to, to, to set the, the home life, to, to set the standard. And, you know, it's also very, very, it's crucial to have good cooperation between you and your wife. That's right. You know, that's uh, right. Because... She's going to be, uh, you know, she's going to be the one doing most of the stuff at right. home. Right. Um, if, she's I mean, the maybe, heart, she's the heart I mean, maybe, the you, maybe you both work, you know, and so I mean, that's not going to be true for everybody. Maybe the dad is the one who actually spends more time at home, but you just have to cooperate so that, you know, the things that you've decided, discerned as a family, hey, this is what, what we want to do. This is what's important to us. Because... Uh, you know, not everybody has the opportunity to homeschool their kids. I understand that's a you know a blessing that we have, um, and so that's not just a reality for everybody. Right. So you sit down, like I said, hierarchy. What is what's most important? Yeah. You know, obviously God, then you know then supernatural things, then earthly things. Right. Um, and so you just got to make sure that you have things well ordered. Which is why in the book, Dave, we actually start uh, with marriage. Right, yeah. we start with marriage, then fatherhood and motherhood, and then it, it, the list of things of how to grow your domestic church. Because if you don't have, you, you know, the, your first vocation is to your spouse; it's not to your children. So you have to make sure that you have your vocation with your spouse, you know, in order on the same page, in order to have a flourishing right. home life. 
Yeah, because if you you can have incredible catechesis with your kids, you can have this great prayer life, but then if you um, are disrespectful to their mother, you know, if you don't love her the way a bride deserves to be loved, then it will all wash out. You're wasting your time. Right. Yeah, it's that sign of marriage, right? I mean, that's important. Mm-hmm. And 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 oftentimes we do not see it. Like right, we're right now. So many families, it's like, well, he's the spiritual one, or she's the spiritual one, or, or mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've heard like a, a spouse say, well, he sh- he definitely should have been a priest, or she should have been a nun, or something like that. It's like, no, how about we just all be saints, you know? So, hey, we're gonna take a quick break here and hear from our friends at Ascension Press. We love being a part of the Ascension Press community, and I know now Adam and Dave and your wives probably will love it as well as we do. Um, As always, uh, we want to connect with you guys. So please, uh, if you want to get show notes to your email, text EKSB to 33777, and uh, we'll sign you up for those show notes. And uh, yeah, we have great things coming. So you're going to want to see all that. Uh, We'll be back in just a moment. Hello, my name is Father Gregory Pine, and I'll be one of your hosts for a new podcast with Ascension called Catholic Classics. Each day, we'll read a section from a spiritual classic and then provide some commentary to help you grow in your life of faith, to help you grow in your life of prayer. For our first season, we'll be reading the Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. You can find your reading plan at ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics. Welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow. I'm here with Adam Minahan and David Niles, and uh, we're talking about the the book that they wrote with their wives about family, Catholic family life, living beyond Sunday. Um, I I loved the book. I immediately um, was sharing things with my wife, you know, that I had underlined and things like that, and saying, you know, we got to implement this in our family. And uh, so I'm I'm really excited about it. I hope you'll check it out. It's put out by Ascension Press, of course. Everything they put out is awesome. One of the things that, um, guys, I'm, I'm most excited about this book is that I think a lot of times we see church, family, retreats, Catholic schools, Catholic organizations, I think sometimes we see them as like walls that protect us. And certainly we have to have that, right? A family should be a safe place. There's no question. But one of the things about this book in particular is I think it's going to be an awesome kind of impetus for the family to be more of a springboard to go out as a place to hide, right? And uh, I, I was wondering if you could speak to that, just like uh, the family as evangelists, right? Um, this is this book is going to spawn, I think, a new evangelization for a lot of people. Yeah, that's exactly right, Dave. And you know, you mentioned walls. A family is sacred, okay? The word sacred just means set apart, okay? That this thing, you know, something becomes sacred like a bowl. Oh, it's a sacred bowl now when this bowl is only used in the mass, okay? Like we're not having cereal in this bowl because we gave it, like this is God's bowl now, all right? It's just in the mass. Well, so it's set apart. A family is also set apart from everybody else, okay? It's a very exclusive group. Um, And I know that like exclusive, like, is not the in word, because everything should be inclusive, right? You know, like inclusive things are good. If you're excluding people, you're, you're mean. That's a mean thing to do. Okay, but actually exclusive things tend to be the holiest things, tend to be the best things. Think about marriage, the best relationship that exists. It's the most exclusive relationship. You know, like I'm excluding myself from all the other women. 
just for you. You know, and that's why it's so special. So the family is all about itself, okay? And that is one of the things that makes it important, but it's not about itself for itself, okay? Um, One thing that you realize as you progress, you know, think about the timeline of your family into the future, okay? You're going to raise, I have four daughters now, I'm going to raise these daughters to hopefully be holy women. And it's likely that some of them will discern the vocation of marriage. Well, all of a sudden, the family's not enough. My family is not enough for them. Okay, they need, they're dependent, actually, on uh, maybe the Minahan boys to be holy, holy men, okay? We're, we're like, actually... Praise, praise God, if that happens, yeah, that would be awesome. We're actually, we're actually uh, signing, signing the contract that, right now. We will get super all weird up. now, right? Now, now, <laughs> the, now the proximity is getting strange, but no. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a sweet wedding if that happens. But anyway, um, so you realize that, okay, you order things well in your family so that the family can reach out. Um, so, you, you know, that... When all things are ordered well in the family, in the domestic church, you end up with this virtue of hospitality, okay? So hospitality is something that reaches out to someone and says, come, share the good things that I have with me. Share these things with me. I have these things that, I, that are good, and I want, to, I want to share them with you, okay? And so it's actually through hospitality, this virtue, that uh, builds community, Without this virtue, you have you just have people living next to each other, you know, like what you find often in big cities. You know, they've surveyed people. People in, like, New York City are more lonely than people who live in a town of, like, 400 people. Right, of course, yeah. Right? right. Because they're isolated in the masses, right? There, there is no hospitality. And so you need this virtue, and this is what the family is ordered towards. Um, this is the goal of domestic life. So that just like all love, I mean, this is, this is what you see, this is what love does. It wants to be shared. Yeah. It doesn't want to just stay with itself. The Trinity is like this overflowing of love. Like, that's why we're here. Because God has like, this, his love is just pouring out all over the place. And like, oh, let's make some human beings and a world and a universe. And like, I love it all. Right. Um, and, you know, you find that the more, the more children you have, the bigger your family. It's not like, oh, my love is getting spread out. I'm right. having to like, oh, well, you get less love now because, well, your sister was born and she needs some too. Uh, no, actually, it just like multiplies on itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we, we just have to always keep the end in mind. And when, we're, when we're doing things, if we want to do them well, we need to know what are they ordered towards. Um, and so the, the family is ordered towards hospitality. Um, and we need to be willing to do that invite people into our own family life um, so that they can see the joy, the good things that we have. Those are the moments when I think real evangelization takes place. Um, your parish can put together like the best program or whatever. Um, you can give it a good budget. And, you know, you might reach some people, but most people are evangelized in the day-to-day ordinary things of life. When they, they encounter a person who's different, like your life is different from mine. It looks better. I'm jealous of it in a right. good way, right? And I want it. Right. Share it with me. Yeah, and I think that strong, fa- like you know, that strong foundation of the family. And you know, I, I kind of going back to what you were mentioning, how like you wake up before your whole family to pray for them, like setting up that super strong foundation makes you really comfortable welcoming people into that. Right. Like I like I don't fear bringing people with different worldviews into my family because we have a strong family culture and we have a strong 
foundation. And it starts with parents who are praying together, praying for their children. And I, I, yeah, I love, I love the idea of family as springboard for changing the world because that's, well, that's how God intended it. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. 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 Amen. Well, uh, the book is living beyond Sunday. Uh, it's, it's great. I mean, I can't recommend it enough, especially if you're young families also, you know, just to people who are marriage ministers at parishes, um, you know, people who do the pre cana and all that kind of stuff. This is a great book to include in your, uh, in your curriculum, but even just if you're not if you're not there, even if you're still uh, well on your way of raising your family, check it out. It's awesome. Um, they can find it at ascensionpress.com, right, guys? That's right. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, Dave, Adam, thanks so much for being on. You guys are awesome. I hope I get to hang out with you again sometime soon. Um, as always, we love having you guys a part of our community. If you have any questions, please feel free to email at eksb at ascensionpress.com. You'll hear from us soon. God bless you all.